0: Now, Pastor, what are you talking about unorthodox? Don't worry, I want to share it with you. The unorthodox things are those things that do not conform to the rules. See, so I got stuff in my life that just don't conform to normal rules. Okay, let me help you. You got things in your life that just don't conform to the normal rules. So I was thinking, Craig, how is it that other people took the time to set With somebody and learn to read music to play. But now you come along and God say, I want to anoint you to play. So why is it your life don't conform with the normal rules? Why is it unorthodox with you? See, there's unorthodox things in our life, but God is faithful with them. See, it doesn't conform to the rules nor the traditions. Look at the things that don't conform to the traditions in your life. I'm not a third, fourth, fifth generation preacher. My daddy wasn't a preacher. My granddaddy wasn't a preacher. It didn't conform to the tradition of this is the way preachers are built. I don't have the opportunity of saying that. It's an unorthodox approach. I'm going to keep on till I find you. Don't worry. In other words, it doesn't conform to a certain mode of conduct. You know how we say, well, this is the way certain things should be. After all, you know, why, why, why should someone that came from a single-parent home who dealt with abuse, who dealt with all of the other issues of poverty and those kind of things, why should they be successful in life? Because the normal mode of conduct would have been, they're, they're going to become a statistic. But God has a way of being faithful with the unorthodox things in my life. Oh, I'm going to find you for, before it's all over. I just want you to understand, it's, it's the things that doesn't conform to the normal rules, doesn't conform to the normal traditions, doesn't conform to the normal mode of conduct. Now, you're going to be surprised at how much of your life is not the norm. Because with God, he's specializing in it becoming unorthodox. But see, with him specializing in it becoming unorthodox, that's where we get nervous. Because see, if it was orthodox, we could figure it out. We would, you know what? I would know what would be next. I would know what to expect. Let me see if I could talk to you from a biblical standpoint. New Living Translation, 2 Kings chapter 5. See, God used the unorthodox approach of dirty water. I told you, you're going to have to sit back and relax a little bit here and not be so tight, so so uptight. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, New Living Translation, the unorthodox approach of dirty water. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. See, sometimes that one area in our lives overshadows what God has been able to perform. Even though Naaman was great, he suffered from leprosy. See, sometimes we become so preoccupied with what we seemingly do not have that we miss out on what we really are. Verse 2, at this time, Aram raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Now, what good could possibly come out of being captured? What an unorthodox approach. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He will heal him of his leprosy. The unlikeliest person of all to have a solution to Naaman's problem. A little girl who got captured. God specializes in the unorthodox things. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Are you aware that a servant girl who's been captured, her her words make it all the way to the king? See, whose words have made it to the king on your behalf? You were trying to work it out this way. You figured it was going to happen that way. But there was an unorthodox approach that God was faithful over that was making it to the king. Verse 5, go and visit the prophet, the king of Aaron told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman, I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and this said, This man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. You know, the king thought this was his problem to handle, but God only used his reaction to the problem. See, the unorthodox approach, you don't know if God is using you to solve the problem or for you to just have a reaction to the problem. I I know you said, well, Pastor, I don't see you in the text at all. That's because you didn't keep reading the verse 8. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king… See, he heard about the king's reaction. I heard how you flipped out when they came and told you this. I heard how you just said, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I heard how you broke down and went in the sackcloth and ashes. And I heard that you got a real problem. So he said, when I heard the king of Israel tore his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? He said, send them send to me. He'll learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. Elijah knew he could not heal, but he knew the healer. See, don't get it twisted. He knew he couldn't heal, but he knew the healer. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Have you ever been given instructions that just did not seem like what you wanted to hear? Now you mean tell me I came all the way out here. I, I rode all the way over here. I'm waiting outside your house on you to come out. And you got the audacity to send somebody outside. And tell me to go wash in that dirty water over there. You mean, you understand how far, no, you, no, no, here we go. You know who I am. Yeah. Verse 11, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. The least he could do is come to the door and say, hello. Don't he know who I am? Don't he know what great victories I've won? How dare he send a little lowly servant out here to talk to me? See, sometimes we get caught up on us. We just stuck on us. And what's going on with us? My, my issue is so big, you should come and stroke my ego. You should rub my head until I feel soothed and relieved in God. How dare you send somebody else with a little word? I don't even know his name. He ain't nothing but a servant. He said, I expected him. Watch this. This, this is amazing. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, watch this. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. So he had a preconceived idea about how God should solve his problem. So he had a preconceived idea about how God should solve his problem. So we have a preconceived idea. God, you should do it this way. This is how I thought this was. Come on now, God. I Watch this. Then we start getting spiritual. I know you're omnipotent. I know you got all the power. Solve it this way. Wave it over me. Speak the name of the Lord. Then I'll be healed. Now, wait a minute. Can we just stop for just a second? You're the one with the problem. And you're the one trying to produce the solution. Isn't it obvious that if you could produce the solution, you wouldn't have the problem? I mean, I'm not too bright, but I'm just saying. I want it done this way. You know, the people who have problems that I really see with the things of God are the people who just can't get over God being God. They can't let him do it his way. Why do we always have a better way than God's way? I, I mean, okay. Let, let, let me bring it home, Billy. You, you know, if when it's financial, now we go like, now God, you own all the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, we we start breaking up all the gold and the silver is yours. You know, Lord, it wouldn't take much. I mean, it, they wouldn't even miss it. We got all of these spiritual parameters. We say, well, God, why don't you just do this like this? Why does it? I mean, it never has, you, you ever think about, it never has you going to work every day. You notice that? It don't have you going to work every day. It's this quick, fast solution. You know, I got this idea. Why don't everybody just get on board with my idea? And after all, a millionaire overnight. Everything happens instantly when we want it. See, that's our approach. But it's instantly the way we want it. Watch this. Just stick with me for a second. Remember, I'm talking about just some dirty water. That's all. So Naaman became angry, stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expect him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. He said, aren't there rivers in Damascus? He said, listen, we got the Abana and the Farbarah. He said, "That better than the rivers over here. He said, why I got to come over here where this dirty water is at? We got water over there, and it don't look like this. I could have stayed at home. He said, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. He wasn't just mad. Like elders say, he was swollen. It said he went away in a rage. But can I, can I, can I tell you something here? Naaman done exactly what we do. He thought it was the water. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Because he said, why I got to get in this dirty water right here? We got at least two rivers over there and I could have stayed at home. See he thought it was the water. See it's not the instruction. It's the God who gave the instructions. See, you get instructions from a whole lot of folks and don't nothing happen. But let God give you some instructions. He almost missed out because the instruction was so simple. How many times are we we just fumbling because it's so simple? I'll be honest with you, almost didn't get saved because it was so simple. I I just had a hard time believing that if a man confessed with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in his heart, that God raised him from the dead that he would be saved. I just had a tough problem with that because I was raised previously that you had to do stuff. You had to be, you know, know, if you weren't this, if you weren't that, it was all the things that I had to do for my salvation as opposed to depending on Jesus and following simple instructions. Watch this. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Oh, yeah, we'd have done it because then it was difficult. It meant that I had a part to play. He said, wouldn't you have done it? He said, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. So, wait a minute. So God gave him some unorthodox instructions that didn't conform to the rules or the traditions or the mode of conduct that he was expecting. But God was faithful with the unorthodox things in his life. Wait a minute. Y- y'all, y'all, y'all ever see the movie um, 300? I know you may think I'm carnal, but I told you to sit back and relax and open up. You ever see the movie 300? You know, God done that first. He done, he done, he done a movie called 400 in 3D. Oh, you didn't get that? Let me tell you where it's at. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. It was called 400 and it was in 3D. See, I, I tell you, God has been on all of this. The Bible says, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. So here's 400 men that's in 3D. What do you mean 3D? They were in debt, they were in distress, and they were discontent. It was 400 in 3D. See, God done it first. Isn't it amazing? Look at this unorthodox approach. You say you want to be king. I've anointed you with the oil. You want to be king. First people I send to you are 400 folks. No, no, let's back up. The first people I really send to you is your family. Now, I know y'all ain't going to say this, but you know everybody in your family ain't got it all together. I I, I know y'all don't want to say that, I ain't talking about nobody's family. I'm just saying, if you got one, you know. Now, according to the text, it says in verse 1, his brothers and all his other relatives joined him then. His brothers already didn't like him. Because when it came time to get made king, not one of them ran out there and said, Hey, David, you know, Samuel's anointing people. You need to come on in. Anybody home? So now, God, you mean to tell me, you, you, you anoint me to be king. And the first folks you send me is my crazy family. Wow. You, you sure? You anoint me king? My family. My daddy didn't want to call me. He had all my other brothers lined up. Didn't even call me. My brothers didn't call me because they didn't want me to be king. You, 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 you know, I mean, when I show up for the, for the battle of Goliath, you know, them juggers going, what you doing here? This is his brothers. And guess who God sent to him when it's time to be made king. But that ain't bad enough. Then you send me 400 folks, 400 men that ain't got no money. First, they, are, they broke. It says they in debt. Now, wait a minute. It's one thing to be broke. It says they in distress. That word distress actually means trouble. They on the run themselves. What kind of credibility they got? And then, here's the, real, here's the real kicker to me. You in debt, you in trouble, and you discontent. When you got here, you had an attitude. When you got here, you were jacked up. And Lord, you sure you want me to be king? What an unorthodox approach to being made king. What an unorthodox approach. Now, I mean, are y'all following me? Now, Verse 3, it says, later David went to Mespath and Moab where he asked the king, please allow my father and mother to live here with you. Not my brothers, just my father and my mother. Them crazy jokers, wherever they can find a place. Please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. Watch this. You may not always know what God is going to do with you. See, that's the unorthodox stuff. See, that's, that's what, what's the will of God for my life. The will of God. Here you go. I, I'll help you. The will of God for your life is be, to be made conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. How he does that is another story. The will of God for your life is the same as the will of God for my life. It's to be made conformed to the image of Christ. Now, that would be the same as saying, okay, well... All of us want to go to college, but we can have different majors. Amen. See, just because we're at the same college don't mean that we got the same major. Right. See, we alumni, but we ain't got the same major. Amen. So so we're all going to the will of God, but now I, I can see you veering off here and veering off there, and you know what? It ain't necessarily that you're going wrong. That's just what it takes to make you conform to the image of Christ. Are y'all with me? Okay. I told you you need to loosen up today. Now, these are the same men who would later be called men of valor and would be instrumental in making him king. What an unorthodox way. So God just strayed completely away from the mode of conduct people expected. Well, let's just get together and everybody vote and let David be king. I mean, look good, you know, good look. This guy took Goliath out. Hey, you know, why not? No, I need him to go this way. I need to get 400 folks that don't even have a vote, they don't even know how to vote. They're in trouble already. They outcast themselves. And they're going to be instrumental in making him king. I'm saying God is faithful with the unorthodox things in my life. You know, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm from up north, and um, I, we used to, you know, we'd always watch, it's hard to, well, I'm from Michigan, it's hard to be from Michigan and not watch Michigan football uh, growing up. Well, Michigan always had the fight song, you know, they, da, 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 da. maybe y'all don't know about Michigan's fight song, but anyway, they got one, and they would have a song that they would sing when they scored touchdowns and all of it, and it was called the fight song. Well, you know. I I was looking at this, and you know, I see God had done the original fight song. Instead of singing it, I'm going to show it to you. New Living Translation, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. See, God is faithful with the unorthodox things in my life. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. It says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets, and you'll succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, wait a minute. The praise team walks in front of the army, singing. Singing. What an unorthodox approach to war. The original fight song, because, and you read, watch this, the praise team walked in front of the army singing with no arrow-proof vest. Oh, see, they shot arrows back then. They ain't have bullets, but they shot arrows. And Doug, they did not have arrow-proof vest, so the praise team is out in front singing. Now watch it. I said it's the original fight song, watch this. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. So they started to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The song became the weapon. It was the original fight song. See, I, I, I don't know if y'all with me yet. Let me see if I can do this. Watch this. So the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So they won the fight in a non-traditional means. Maybe y'all not with me this morning, so let me see if I can do something. This may seem a little carnal, but just deal with me, and just you can just call me whatever you want to later, but just get the truth out of the principle, okay? I'm more concerned about you getting the principle than I am what you may think about me. Back in the 80s, there was a movie called The Karate Kid. And in The Karate Kid, there was a technique called wax on, wax off. You had to wax on and wax off. See, see, I ain't talking about the new version. The new version, you missed this, but you had to wax on and you had to wax off. And then it came time for him to sand. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, wouldn't it be easier just to sand up and down? He said, yeah, it would be, but I need you to go in circles. You just got to go in circles and just keep going in circles. And he said, make sure you breathe. Make sure you breathe. And then he said, I need you to paint the fence. He said, but I need you to paint the fence a certain way. He said, you had to put your wrist in it, up and down, up and down. And he it took him all the way across. And he said, I'm almost finished now. He said, no, 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 no. He said, right hand, big boy. Left hand, little boy." And he said, no, 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 what, what do you mean? That's almost He said, all of the fence. He turned around and he showed it to him. But see, here was the thing. See, here's the whole thing. He became frustrated. I'm over here doing all of this work. I'm working over and over and over, and I'm not getting anywhere. Then one day, one day Mr. Miyagi was with him because Danielson got a little upset. And Mr. Miyagi said, show me wax on. He said... He said, show me, wax off. He didn't understand that behind the scenes, he was learning how to fight. That everything he was teaching him was a technique necessary for an unorthodox victory. He was behind the scenes learning the techniques, not knowing that this was gonna bring valuable instruction to his life. What are we going through right now? Behind the scenes, it's things that we're learning. There's a technique wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off, and we saying, God, I don't understand. God, I'm tired of this. Don't look like I'm getting anywhere. God, I just want to stop. I want to give up. He said, show me wax on, show me wax off, because now you're able to defend yourself from everything that the enemy's bringing. God, why am I studying scripture by myself? Why you got me in this book over here reading this? I don't understand. Show me wax on, show me wax off. He says, Show me when show me when it's time to sand and have to put he says my shoulders are hurting. Yes, yeah, sometimes the burden is rough, you all. Sometimes it really hurts. But you know what? When you get out there and you face that enemy, you're gonna need to wax on and wax off. You're gonna have to know how to paint the fence with your left hand and your right hand. You're gonna have to be able to step in the midst of all of those circumstances and every technique you learn behind closed doors is the one that you're gonna use to achieve the victory. Lord, have mercy. Y'all don't get me out there now. Let me do, let me, let me do this because I, don't, I don't wanna close. I think y'all kinda got my point already. See, sometimes you just got to get your feet wet. God's always preparing us, even when we don't know it. And you know, in Joshua chapter 3 and 15, I'll just go through some of these quickly. It says, as they, bear the ark, as they that bear the ark were coming to the Jordan, the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. So God sent the priest into the water during a flood. That would seem to be the worst time unless you control the flood. See, whether God is telling us to do something that seems contrary to the timing, well God, you, you want me to sow this now? You know I only have this much. He controls your income anyway. You don't understand. In the worst time, if God gives the instruction, it's the best time. He's teaching you what you need for an unorthodox victory. See, it don't, see, st- stop expecting it to look right. That's our biggest issue, I believe, or at least one of them. We expect it to look a certain way. Just because other people put it in applications and they got a call don't mean that that's the way it's going to work for you. I got a job, and and I'm just saying this. You want to talk about unorthodox? And you've heard the story before, but I want you to see. I told you my title was this. God is faithful. He is faithful with the unorthodox things in my life. I don't know what your testimony is. But I remember actually not having a job. And going to my pastor and saying, I want to work for the ministry with no pay, no job. And I had a wife and two kids. I said, I want to work for 30 days with no pay. I said, I'll give it at least 30 days. Somebody called me on the 30th day. You want to talk about unorthodox. I kid you not, but I need to share this so you can understand. They called me, my wife is right here, she'll on the 30th day someone called me from a job I used to work with. I used to work with them on a job that I had left, and he had left. He called me, don't know how he got my number. No idea, and he said, I heard you don't have a job. I've got the perfect job for you. He was at another company, set me up for the interview at the company and everything. Out of 18,000 people, I got the job. Watch this. To this day, I don't remember filling out an application. It was an unorthodox. So what am I saying? If you're sitting here just going like, well, God, it's going to happen like this. Listen, let me help you. You don't know how it's going to happen. That's the truth. Well, I'm going to... You don't know how. You will hurt yourself trying to figure out how. Just let it go. If he said he's going to do it, that's what you need to know. That's the part that you need to know. Because that's the part he requires you to have faith in, not the how. You can't dictate the how. Listen, let, let, let let me... Can I close with this last one? I tell you that God is faithful with the unorthodox things in my life. We we'll want to talk about an unorthodox approach. You know, I was looking up uh, some idioms. Idioms of little sayings and stuff that people have. You know, when people say, hit the nail on the head. I found an idiom. You know, God did that first too. You know, she hit the nail on the head. Judges chapter 4, verse 7. He so said, Barak told her, I'll go, but only if you go with me. He was talking to Deborah. Yes. Very well, Deborah replied. He said, I'll go. She said, I'll go with you, but you can receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be in the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. In essence, God said, listen, I'm, 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 I'm going to allow you to have what you want, but you ain't going to get credit for it, because you had to take her with you. You didn't just take my word, you had to take her with you. So at Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulon and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. And Haber, the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zanonim near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Ahinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all nine hundred of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from that place to the Kishon River. <laughs> well, yeah, and you're to trying to stretch me out here. Y'all work on that. Well, let me just take a pen in this for a moment. Sisera was one of the most uh, devastating enemies at that time for Israel. This this man was terrible. It would be be like a a, a terrorist or, you know, someone with a full-fledged army attacking us. He was not just some small-time weight. This man was significant. And so God begins to tell Barak, I'm going to give you the victory over this individual. That's why they talk about he's got 900 chariots. That ain't the people. That's just the chariots he got. Verse 14, Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to that place, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. So now Barak has killed all of his warriors, but Sisera is still alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Haber, the Kenite, because Haber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said, I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you, if anyone's here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and she said, come and I will show you the man you're looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with a tent peg through his temple. So one of Israel's greatest enemies at the time is killed by a woman. A place of dishonor. It was a dishonor to die at the hands of a woman. Number two, she did it with no sword, no shield and no chariot. All she used was some milk, a blanket, a hammer and a nail. You want to talk about an unorthodox victory, some milk, a blanket, a hammer, and a nail. Just your normal household… Stuff. <laughs> your normal household items. So while Barack was destroying all the others, God had divinely used an unarmed woman to kill his greatest threat. See, I found out God is faithful and He doesn't have to conform to the rules. He doesn't have to conform to the traditions or the mode of conduct of this life. According to the Amplified Version of Psalms 37 and 3, it says, Trust, lean on, rely on, be confident in the Lord, and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on His faithfulness, and truly you shall be fed. See, there's something about the faithfulness of God that we can feed on. See, I, I may not know all of the answers, but I know he's faithful and I'm going to just feed off of that. I may not understand how this is going to turn out. Right now, my shoulders are tired like Danielson because it seems like I'm just sanding and sanding in circles. But you know what? I'm going to feed on his faithfulness because he knows things that I don't know. Right now, I'm just sitting up here and I, maybe I'm frustrated sitting in the car going, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. But I'm feeding on his faithfulness in the midst of that. And you know what? That's that's what's stopping me from being so upset. That's what's stopping me from giving up totally. Because I'm able to look back and go like, it's not about me. It's not what I know. It's the fact that I can feed on the faithfulness of my God. No, I don't understand it. You know what? Danielson didn't like it. Guess what? We don't like it either. We don't like the way we feel. We don't like what it's like when you said, but God, you said this, and I'm still right here. That's because you're only looking at the way you see it. Because all Danielson was looking at the way he felt. See, sometimes we expect God to parade us. Dress us up in the uniform. Make us look the part of what we've seen other people look. But guess what? I told you the will of God, it was to conform to the image of Christ, not other people. He ain't trying to make you look like somebody else. The goal is to look like Jesus. If it takes you being stripped, it's still designed to make you look like Jesus. If it's taking, it, it, see, if it's going to take for you to go the back way, Everybody else gets seemingly go through the front door. You got to go around back. It's designed to help make you be conformed to the image of Jesus. Well, God, why does it hurt so much? Because it takes that much pain to make you conform to his image. Somebody else may be able to get off, but not you. It's all part of your making. And I'm just saying, don't despise it. Don't allow it to frustrate you to the point where you want to quit, where you want to give up. Because y'all all all know the story of the Karate Kid. Everything he was taught, he needed, and that's how he gained his victory. Everything you're experiencing, you need. I know it don't feel good. I know. Y'all, I ain't just talking to you. I'm talking to me. That's why I said my title is God is faithful with my unorthodox things. See, the stuff that's in my life, but can you count him faithful in yours? Or are you just around here so mad, so angry, nobody can even talk to you because you're so caught up in how you want things to turn out and they're not looking like the way you want them. Don't worry about it. I thought you said you cast all your cares on him for he careth for you. God, I can't believe you let this happen. Why not? Look what he let happen to Jesus. How can we ever compare ourselves to something like that? And everything he's doing is for our good. Every head by our eyes are closed. God is faithful with the unorthodox things in my life. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know that there's some unorthodox things, some things that's breaking the rules, some things that ain't stand with the traditions. You know, it's easy to run from stuff. It's easy to run from things that cause us pain. Our natural tendency is to flee from what hurts. But you know what? The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. See, can you see yourself coming out of what you're in? Can you see yourself getting beyond what you're going through? And if so, can you allow God to do it his way? Not your way, his way. Well, I want this now. Come on now. You've got to be mature enough to know that you can't hurry God. That's an obvious sign to you yourself that you're not ready. God, I, I, why is this happening to me? Why not? Who are you? What made you so special? What made you so unique that you shouldn't have to go through what you're going through in your estimation? Because you served Him, because you do things, that's all nothing. When you look at what His Son went through who was innocent of everything, how dare we form an opinion to think that we're more important than Jesus? Don't know what your life is like, don't know how it feels to you personally. But I know this. God is faithful with that unorthodox thing. That thing that you can't, it can't, it, it's the round thing that doesn't fit in the square peg. It's the thing that don't it, don't, it don't fit right. God, I thought by now I would be here. I thought by now I would achieve this. Some of you all that are single, you're going, why am I still single? God, I thought, This is what I had in mind. This was the plan. But you know what? His plan just had you being made conformed to the image of his son. What did you do wrong? What did you do right? Some of us, just because, you know, being married doesn't solve all of the issues of life. Believe it or not, there are things you still deal with that you thought would have been resolved because you have a spouse. See, God is the only answer. He's the only answer for that unorthodox thing. Well, you know, when when I get get to this level in my life, then so-and-so, really? If you haven't learned by now that there's going to always be something that makes you dependent on God. Let me just inform you that there's always going to be something. Well, I, well my marriage is all right. My this is all right. But, that, but there's something that's unorthodox. There's something that ain't obeying the rule. There's something that seems to be out of whack. So you could paint it up and make it look pretty to everybody. But you know. But have you decided to allow God to be faithful over that unorthodox thing? That thing that you can't control. That thing that just seemed to break out. Because God said, I want to do it this way. You said, no, I like this way. God, what do they think of me if they see me like that? You'd be surprised to notice that people don't think of you because they're so caught up in what they're going through. Believe it or not, you are not the biggest thing on everybody else's mind. Contrary to popular belief. Today, I know that this is different, and I don't want to take it any any longer than we need to. But I'm going to ask you to evaluate your own life, evaluate those things that don't conform to the rules where God is developing you. Evaluate those things that are not the normal mode of conduct. Evaluate those things that are not traditional in how He's dealing with you. And I just want to know, are you allowing God to be faithful in that area? Are you allowing God to be faithful in that area. See some of it hurt, I know. Some of it hurt and we cover it up, we smooth it over, so when people look they don't even see it. But you know. You know. And I've made my decision that God is faithful. With the unorthodox things in my life. When the stuff break out, I thought about Gideon. God gave Gideon a victory with flashlights and a bugle. What in the world? How are you going to tell me to go to war with flashlights and a bugle? See, it's not what you take, it's the instructions you follow. Because if God gives you the instruction, he's the one who backs them up. And see, I feel like there's some of us that have been fighting the instruction of God. Because he's taking us what seemingly is the long way. And we are always looking for a shortcut. We want to cut across the field, the field of life. But God says, no, you got to go the long way around because I'm making you. I want you to have endurance. You're going to need this later on. You can't take the shortcut. Yeah, but, Lord, I see the trail where other people have cut through. But you don't know the end of those other people that have cut through. God does. Well, God, it hurts so bad. Can't I just get some relief right here? This would be a nice shortcut. No, it's not time. You're almost finished, but it's not time. Lord, don't you understand how this feels for me right now? He says, yes, I know. Because he's acquainted very well with our feelings. He himself was tempted in all points, yet without sin. I'm just saying Maybe you need to evaluate what you consider your life really being. And I say that in light of being in his hands. If you're here today and you recognize that this message was intended to spark something in you personal, I'm gonna ask you to come and meet us here at the altar. Because I believe God wants us to recognize the importance of us seeing him as faithful. Not just when things are going the way we want. Not just when it's, well, okay, this is, ooh, typically we talk about God being faithful after we've gotten something we wanted. But I'm talking about the God who's faithful in the midst of the struggle. The one who's taking you the long way around. The one that you sit and you say, God, I don't, the, can I be honest with you? God, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. As a matter of fact, Lord, right now, if you gave me it out, I'm ready for it. Because this is not, watch this, this is not what I signed up for not what I thought I was getting. You see, the enemy begins to plague us because he makes us feel like we've done something wrong. See, when I read you the story about David in 1 Samuel chapter 22, it's interesting, he'd been anointed. you flowing. Prophetic words, you're going to be king. Glory to God, hallelujah. Let me show you how it's going to happen. You're going backwards before you go forward. Somebody told me God uses the slingshot approach. He pulled you back to launch you forward. But we don't like being pulled back. We don't like the way that feels. And you mean to tell me, God, now that you called me out here, you singled me out with this word that's on my life. Because you know when you got that word, it didn't look like this. But God has the ability of showing us the end and not what happens in the middle. Because if he'd have showed some of us, What we're going through now, we'd have ran. We'd have ran. We'd have ran fast and in the opposite direction. We'd have been like Jonah. You're trying to find us somewhere, but I'm going in the opposite direction. God knows that. But I believe what you're here for today is a realization. That God, you know what? It's all right. I'm not saying that you've got to like it. I'm saying it's all right whatever you want to do. It's all right however you want to make me into the image of your son. Because that's what it means to count God faithful with the unorthodox things in your life. You've got to be willing to say, God, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay enough that I'm still going to lift my hands. I'm still going to walk around here with my head held high. I'm not going to be a pity case for somebody. I'm not going to be one who's going to, like the Scripture says in in Proverbs 31. See, we have, Proverbs 30, we have to be careful not to take the Lord's name in vain because of the way we portray our God. See, it's easy to say He's faithful when you got everything you want. But I want to talk to the people who are still on the path of getting what they want. And it looks like you're going the opposite direction. Looks like you're just waxing on and off. On and off. Looks like it's just getting frustrating over and over. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't getting nowhere. Ain't nothing happening. Day in. Day out. Day in. And that enemy has the the, the, the audacity to speak into our ears and say, this is it. Why don't you just curse God and die? This is all? You hanging in there for this? Saints of God, I'm telling you, you are so close. You are so close. Before we pray, I want to do something. I want you to look around. I want you to see how you're not the same. You're not the only person. Because one of the things the enemy does, is he, he makes us think we're the only ones going through something. Nobody else is dealing with anything. We're the only ones. And our problem is so big, nobody else will understand. Saints, I understand. I got my own thing I deal with. But you know what? I've I've laid it out. I don't care. Don't care. I've given up in the sense of, Lord, it ain't about what I want. Ain't about what I want. Like my wife has shared with you all the time, sometimes you got to come to the point where you simply say, God, fine. If you're getting glory out of this, Fine. Fine not about you. It's all about him. Heavenly Father, today as we stand at this altar, Lord, we, we recognize that there are some unorthodox things in our lives, Lord. There are some things that are contrary to the rules. God, there are some things that don't operate under the under normal mode of conduct in our lives. God, There's some things that's just so nontraditional Some of us thought we would be at other places. We would be dealing with other things. Some of us thought, Lord, that it was going to be much better than this. And God, I know we don't want to say this publicly, but God, some of us are disappointed. We're disappointed at where we find ourselves. And God, we really don't like it. But Lord, I believe that this is the place that you ask us to trust you. To trust you into fulfilling what you said. God, we see what you said in our mind, but we deal with where we are in everyday time. And the two don't match up well, Lord. I pray, Father, for each and every one that's standing here that's dealing with those unorthodox things. The Lord, today, you will release us by the power of the Holy Spirit from being bound our own expectations of how things should be. God, we've expected things in a contrary manner to how you want to bring about things. Lord, help us to take our hands off the wheel. God, we don't want you to be the co-pilot. We want you to be the pilot. God, to direct our lives personally. Father, it takes a lot. For us to let go. Because we're used to running things ourselves. But Lord, you've uniquely placed us in positions where we can't do anything. I pray for those that are here now that a peace will come over their hearts. A peace that will give them assurance that the word that you have spoken shall indeed surely come to pass. Though it tarry, they would wait for it, for it shall indeed come to pass. I pray for those that are contending right now with what seems to be the greatest decision in their lives, that they would rest in you and cease literally from their own labors. Father, I speak peace, the umpire of the heart of the believer. Let it go forth now in the hearts of these your people. Comfort them, Holy Spirit, with the comfort that only you can give. Cause them to know that you see and know the pain and the struggle and that it's not in vain. Lord, bottle the tears that have been shed and remind them of their future in you. Father, I commit these people to you. For you said that that we commit unto you, you're well able to keep against that day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. Saints, you're not alone. God is faithful with the unorthodox things in our lives. Amen? You all. Listen, uh, I failed to mention this earlier as the deacons are coming. We will not have an evening service tonight. I failed to mention that. uh, I know we did it on uh, on Wednesday. We will not have an evening service tonight in light of our fifth Sunday fellowship on next Sunday evening. So let me, I want to clarify this. We will have service next Sunday morning, and Sunday evening we'll be going over to Maranatha for fellowship. It's going to be a wonderful time. We've got uh, some, uh, it's going to be a really nice time. It's not going, no one's preaching. It's not going to be a preach preach, preach off kind of thing or nothing like that. We're going to have some things, we've already got some things set up. It's going to be really, really nice. You have a wonderful time. It's going to be, we're going to do hot dogs and all that kind of stuff. Just going to have a good time. It's going to be a good fellowship. We're going to laugh, and we, we're going gonna to have a good time. So I, I want you all to plan on coming, plan on being there. You'll probably only be there about an hour or so. Um, we're going gonna to just have good fellowship. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to, to waste everybody's time, but I want us to do things that matter. We're going to live on purpose. Amen. 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 If you need an offering envelope, just please raise your hand.